Hey, everyone. Welcome to Recruiting Connections with me, your host, Chris Murdoch. Today, we have someone that I have never met in person, um, but managed to, to really make a connection with Joe Stymag. Joe, please introduce yourself to everybody. Chris, thank you. And thank you for having me. My name is Joe Stymag. I'm a research scientist, so I like research. I'm a curious person. So when I started, I wanted to know how employers hire, what it takes to succeed to get a job. Um, I started back in 1995. So yeah, quite a few years ago. I wrote a few articles on the internet and uh, employers started calling me, which is really strange. And I said, like, we love your work. We love your articles. Um, can you teach us how to interview? It's like, okay, these are some rather large global companies. We like your process. We like what you said. Um, you know, they, they weren't that familiar with behavioral interviewing at the time. And so one thing led to another. I've trained thousands of employers how to hire. But the, the other side of the fence is I teach also work with um, applicants on understanding how employers hire. Okay. that's And, and that's why we're talking, Joe. It's those connections, you know, and, and again, that's what we're, this, this podcast isn't just about recruiting. It's not just about sourcing. It's not just about technology. It's about all the above and how everything kind of helps us get connected with candidates and hiring managers and, 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 and colleagues, for example. But in this case, the fact that you're taking the time to train both the candidate and the hiring managers and all the interviewers, that just makes for more effective connections. Absolutely. And what, now what I do is I also, when I train the hiring managers, a lot of the employers ask me to sit and watch the interview boards, find out you know, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, um, how to improve the process. But what I do is I always have to see the candidates' resumes, and most of them are stellar. What's really sad is watching them perform when they come to a tough question they can't answer. And it just shows me that they have not prepared properly, that they don't understand what the job is. They don't understand what the client does. So that that's the kind of problem that I see. And these are easily fixable problems if they just understood how employers hire. So that's why I love working both sides of the fence. I do know how both sides work. Yeah. And, and when I when I go out and I talk to job seekers, when I, when I speak at university, whether it's a university or an event for, for executives that are you know looking for a job for the first time in ever, um, I always talk about what it, what what recruiters do, so that we're not this, you know, the 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 Wizard of Oz, you know, behind the man behind the curtain or the yeah. woman behind the curtain. Um, you know, I'm a recruiter. Here's my role. Here's what I do. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised if somebody takes a minute to get back to you. Here's how you network. Here's how you do all these things. But for you to come at it from the interview standpoint, where do you find that candidates fall down the most? And then after that, let's talk about where, where interviewers on the company side kind of fall down the most. Okay. What I've noticed is where interviewees fall down the most is they're not prepared for the call from the recruiter. They don't understand that, you know, it doesn't matter if it not be a good time. Can I reschedule in 30 minutes while they're cleaning up their room and make their background presentable or whatever it takes? You want the first impression to be very important. Uh, you want to know a little bit about the company, jot down five or six key things that the company does. So you feel like you've really researched them. You know, one thing I always tell applicants is write down three things from the job description and why you'd be good at it. Understand the job that you actually understand what the job's about. If you're going to work with a recruiter, the most important thing is to build a connection with them. Show them that you're not only interested, but you're qualified to do the job. Ask questions. And when I say ask questions, the five W's, who are you? Who will you be meeting with? You know, uh, what's the role? Where is the interview going to be? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be in person? 
uh, what time does it start? So you make sure you get that information and then find out more about the company. So you really come prepared to, to the interview because the recruiter, if they're comfortable with you, they're going to most likely forward you to the hiring manager. If they don't feel confident about your qualifications or your personality, or if you're going to be a good fit with them, they're not going to send you forward. This is so important. It's And the thing is, a lot of that, it, it comes down to connecting the dots for the recruiter. Don't yeah. let recruiters make assumptions about your background. Don't let recruiters make assumptions about your interest level. If you're really interested in a job, let the recruiter know. Be on time. Be ready. Be prepared. Absolutely. Have your resume say everything. And if it's incomplete, give the recruiter the information outside of your resume so that, that he or she can you know, present that to the hiring manager because the hiring manager... Very busy, you have to assume very busy, wants to see yeah. what they want to see. And if you don't provide that information and the confidence uh, with mm-hmm. the recruiter for the recruiter to present you as a candidate, you're dead in the water. Yeah, you know, Chris, you're right on target. When you said the confidence, that's a big part of it. Uh, what research has shown that a confident applicant has two to five, two point five times more chance of getting the interview than someone who is not confident. Uh, as my friend Valerie says, uh, confidence is, con- is uh, considered the same as confidence. Every person that I've ever worked with has a story to tell. They have great stories. They could just figure out what the stories are to present to the recruiter or the hiring manager. So. Yeah, and you do that by preparing ahead of time, by by knowing where you fit. And, and this is actually something you and I talked about early on. You know, when you you have an applicant who is, say, for example, transitioning out of the military, the military, yeah. you know, you have your MOS. What is MOS? Okay. What does MOS stand for? I don't even I can't remember. Yeah, my God, you would trick me up. Um, no, you would trick me up with that one. And the thing is, I'm glad that happened because my dad, when he when he retired from the Navy, he had acronyms up the wazoo um, right. in his resume and he wasn't getting calls. And so I, I had to sit down and, and Google what each one of those acronyms meant. I mean, he had MOS throughout his, his resume right. and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. And once we translated the, he just assumed everyone would know what it was because he lived it for 34 years. Yeah. And then we helped him translate the information into his resume and then I helped him translate, you know, Navy speak into civilian speak. Right. He was able to be just as confident with the Navy lingo as he was with business lingo. And he, he landed, a, you know, a really fun job for himself um, upon retirement. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, it's a specialty. Basically, what it is, sorry, Chris. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, it's a specialty area of a specialty that the person has. And then you need, like you said earlier, your dad had to translate that into plain English. The way to do that is prepare through the questions. Uh, that's why we developed interview ready for applicants, because if it, it's a tool that lets you create a custom set of interview questions for each position and they're behavioral based. So the follow up questions really dig out the details that you need to present to an employer to make it happen. Yeah. And we, you know, oftentimes, you know, it's you just don't have it ready. When you start to research a company and you start to research a job description and, you know, you're looking at your resume and it doesn't use the same words. Well, if you're using similar words that, that mean the same thing, change the words to fit right. the job description, to, to fit what the recruiter and the hiring manager, you know, work together to create and, and, and then, you know, translate it. Don't make it, don't make assumptions that they'll be able to make those, 
those connections between, you know, this world and this company that has different terminology from, from this one. Um, so how do you, what, what are some of the issues you see with hiring managers and, and interviewers that they make when it comes oh, to boy. preparing for interviewing? That's the <laughs> best question. I love that question. I have worked with companies that are global and I've worked with executive teams and it's amazing, even at that executive level, how poorly trained some are. They come in unprepared, they circle something on your resume and they want to talk about it. Now think about that. Uh, they have to be just as prepared as the applicant, but they're not. So in other words, they have a conversation and the conversation all often ends up if I like you or I don't like you. So it becomes a likability contest. The, and biases are huge. This is one thing that I've been training people for years is if you understand the 10 hiring biases as the applicant, you can use them to your advantage. If you don't, if you're the hiring manager and you understand the 10 hiring biases, you understand to not make that decision based on biases. Look at the actual performance of that applicant. Look at their history. So the number one thing is be prepared to have your questions ahead of time. It's funny. I had a conversation with an executive. He said, you know, Joe, my, my conversations are easy. It's 50-50. It's a conversational. I said, all right, let me challenge you. If you're doing 50-50, so you're doing 50% of the talking, the applicant is answering 50% of the questions. How much information do you get from them? About 50%. So that was, a, it's like, wow, you know, I never thought about that. Right? If your questions aren't related to the job, you're missing information that's relevant. So what I tell them to do is find the top 10 things they must absolutely cover and write questions on that. And that's why we created an interview builder tool that does all that for them very quickly. The other problem is since they're not focused, they're not listening. So let's say since you, you know it's a conversation, mm -hmm. you don't have your questions ahead of time. So now while the applicant is answering, you're thinking of your next question, subtract another 10 to 20% of the information yield. All right. So at the end, what you're doing is you're basically making a gut instinct decision. Say, well, I heard a lot. So, you know, I guess they're good or bad, or if I really like them, or I think they'll be a good fit, but you really have not made a good decision. My clients my inter hiring managers, I tell them, look, you need to talk 10, listen 90. Let the applicant have the floor. Now, there's another advantage. It's the first time the applicant feels valued and heard. That's another huge plus. That's one thing that uh, employers don't do well. They talk too much. They, what I teach them to do is become a strong buyer. Let the applicant tell you and earn the right to work for you. So that's some of the easiest things. I, I love this is one of the first times I've, I've heard somebody really talk about that, that interviewers need to be just as prepared as as a job seeker or or a candidate, because I think this is where this is where companies you know, may may talk the talk, you know, about, you know, having an inclusive interview process. They might talk about, you know, being in, you know, having a great culture, open culture. But really, you start really mm -hmm. presenting that when you are interviewing people. That's their right. first in, you know, that's their first foray into understanding who you are as a company. Because as a hiring manager or as an interviewer, you are the company at that point. And right. if you're not prepared, the candidates are going to walk away with the with without feeling like valued or heard, mm -hmm. like you said. I think that is uh that right there is probably what 95% of the battle, just getting people to understand that part. Biggest missing piece that I've seen across the board is testing the offer. Do you know what that is? No. Testing the offer. Okay. I learned this from uh, Bill Smith at Hewlett Packard. He said, Joe, you know, we used to send out job offers and it was surprised when we had a rejection that the candidate turned us down. So why did we not know that ahead of time? What are we missing? 
So I started researching, you know, and the idea came up with testing the offer. Why don't you ask the applicant, if I would extend a job offer to you today, what one hesitation or reservation would you have in accepting? What um, that does is- This is what I call the pre-close. Yeah. I, I Again, this comes back to the same thing as the MOS. I, yeah. I have it in my head as a pre-close. I didn't make the connection that it was all testing the offer was the same. Absolutely. You know, it, the, the, it, this is why preparation and understanding. The, the problem is this. Most people get promoted to a hiring manager status and very few actually are trained on how to do it. This is why when uh, we created Interview Builder, you can complete the online self-paced training in about two hours. It covers all the key points, what you do about listening, focusing the interview, identifying your hot targets, asking the behavioral questions and the follow-up questions, and basically just steering the conversation. Drag out the information from the applicant. And the applicant who's had the interview ready side has practiced all these questions, have practiced their answers out loud. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of practicing the interview answers out loud. It's not that hard to figure out what you're going to be asked. The job description is a wonderful tool. They list, they tell you in the bullet points, this job requires excellent communication and a personal effectiveness fit with team, whatever it says, click, click, click. And you can build a custom interview just by those points right there. There are always times, you know, when I, as a recruiter, when I kick off a project with a, with a hiring manager, I always ask, what's not on the position description? And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the best companies that, that hire, they're like, it's all there. You know, right. everything we're looking for is on there. It's those that, you know, have just kind of copied and pasted a, a position description, mm -hmm. you know, from an HR file or, yeah. or from the, you know, from, from Indeed and just made it theirs. You know, they tend not to be as prepared and or as clear. And so you end up having to, to adjust things. Um, when it comes to ultimately affecting change with these interviewers, sometimes it's just it just doesn't work or it takes a little longer to get there. What's the process you typically recommend or, or you follow to get hiring managers that still follow on with ego? You know, like companies like Google, they, they're always like, you know, but we're Google, everybody wants to work here. Or, you know, yeah. or I'm at this hot startup, everybody wants to work here. And, and they take yeah. it for granted. How do you overcome that, that ego side, that, that youthful well, entrepreneurialism that a lot of people have for their well, company? Very important is that, you know, there has to be a process in place, an easy to implement process. I've trained over 12,000, see what's latest, 600, 12,600 hiring managers. I love it. And they come back and tell me, 7 a.m., I got a call from a class I just taught before uh, a couple of days ago. The person doing the interview calls me back. My God, Joe, this is amazing stuff. I can't tell you how easy this interview was to figure out which of the five candidates we should extend a job offer to. Okay, so what did you do? I just followed the script because it's for the first time. I didn't have to worry about, am I asking the right questions? I controlled the interview. I led the conversation and let the applicant tell me fill in the blanks for me. I realized who was the best right off the bat, you know, after, and then validated through every interview question from then on and made it super easy. This is what hiring managers don't get. The process is easy if you have a process. Anything else than that, it's going to be a tough, long day and you're going to over talk. You're going to stray into something that's not desirable. For example, I had a, a client said, you know, Joe, I got to tell you about something that happened years ago. We had a Middle Eastern lady come in and one of the questions, you know, I had the script. I had the script. I knew I was supposed to do that. I was trying to be polite. And what I did, I asked, would you be needing any religious accommodations? And she goes, are you asking just me or do you ask everyone that question? 
He said, oh, man, I knew right there something's going to be. <laughs> and it was a bad mistake. He meant nothing by it. He was very generous about it. And it ended up costing significantly. So, you know, stick to the script. Lawyers are going to ask you, hey, let's see your questions. Are they relevant to the job? And you know, are they, did you ask each applicant the same question? So. So this comes to, to to yet another connection that can be made. And, and, and the thing is, it's you were talking about bias. And I do, I will ask you, you know, offline the link to the 10 interview biases. The big thing for recruiting is that, that there's always some issues with legalities. You know, at, yeah. are hiring managers compliant? Are your interviewers being compliant? Are they asking mm-hmm. questions that are inappropriate? So by having a process, you can reduce liability. Right. Kathy Brooks, our employment lawyer, says something very interesting. She goes, I'm going to ask you three questions. Um, let me see your interview. Were your questions relevant to the job? Yes. Okay. Did you ask each applicant the same question? Yes, I did. The follow-up questions are going to range based on what the applicant provides. So I don't have to ask anyone. How did you make a hiring decision? Well, we scored the answer compared to our high performer versus our low performer. So we have a metric. We have some kind of a scale that we circle. So if, what does a five mean? A five means they, they're just like my high performer. And at the end, how did you make a hiring decision? Well, we tallied them up, ranked order them, and extended the job offer to the person that got the highest score in there. So that, that's a simple process. And that's going to be hard to beat because you showed that you were trying to minimize bias. You get let the applicant do that, and you had a benchmark somewhere along the way. Yeah. And you know, then, then there's always the pratfall if the, if the benchmark creates ageism, you know, if the high performer, you yeah. know, happens to be, you know, single, no kids, they're not going to be, they're going to put in, be able to put in a lot more time than somebody who is married with kids. So mm-hmm. it, it, there's always all these, you know, these things, but anything you can do to mitigate risk and, you know, to the company, to the mm-hmm. hiring manager, it also creates a more inclusive and, and uh, you know, a non-biased interview process. Right. You know, the one that you said here, the unbiased process, I tell people, use the phone. You can't see the other person. You can't, you don't have the visual bias right off the bat. That's a big influence. We see people right off the bat visually. Do we like them? Do we not like them? Something about them that turns them off. There's a little part of the brain called the amygdala that processes up to 40,000 pieces of information instantly, whereas you personally can do about 50. So it tells you, okay, this person already looks the part. I tell applicants the most important two pieces are the beginning and the end, and the middle kind of gets forgotten. So remember, make a great impression. Do not give them any reason not to like you. And at the end, ask great questions because that shows you really are a thoughtful person. So those those are kind of tips that I like. Yeah, and I and as a as an interviewer, you know, being you know one of the things that doesn't happen very often that I think probably should, it's always expected that the candidate send a note saying thank you. You know, whether it's handwritten yeah. or an email, um, I I am starting to see hiring managers and interviewers taking the time to thank candidates. And I think that's showing that shows more empathy towards them. You know, they just made right. a, a significant commitment mm-hmm. in time. Um, you know, interviews, you know, on-site interviews or phone, you know, on, uh, phone screens can take half hour to two right. hours. On-site interviews can be spread out over days um, mm-hmm. and, and, and encompass hours of time off of, you know, other job, another role. And, um, it, you know, taking the time to say thank you to the candidate personally, mm-hmm. I think that really is another way to, you know, bring it back to that emp- being an empathetic hiring manager, but also at the same time, just showing that you're a human and 
that you valued them, going, calling back to the mm-hmm. previous thing we talked about. Yeah, what you said at Empathy is huge. Uh, what Which company, if you had a chance between work two equally competing firms, which one would you go? The one that's more empathetic, that gave you a chance to really get to know you versus the one that was more robotic. You know, okay, just tell me what you know, you know, kind of, well, we're the employer, as you said earlier. The best ones are, you earned a job here, but I want you to get to know us too. Here's what we are. And, and in closing, what you said earlier was that the hiring managers have been sending thank you notes back. Some actually offer a gift, for example, a Yeti cup that, you know, somebody that really qualified but was not quite selected. They may be a great fit for another role coming up. We don't want to lose that connection because applicants are very difficult. They're expensive to get. So keep that relationship going. The same thing with the applicant. When This is important. When you send a thank you note, don't just say thank you for seeing me. appreciate it. I'm really excited to work here. Before you end the interview, ask them what one specific challenge are you working on that you would like to see the successful hire you know, help you with? And then write that down. So when you go home and think about it, uh, think about, remember that you, the comment you made about the challenge? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to propose the following. You know, Let them see you already seeing yourself working there. That's huge. You can't teach motivation. This is why I tell recruiters, when you when you start interviewing, look for the competencies you can train, conscientiousness, initiative, uh, impact and influence. You know, those kind of things here uh, work fit with team. You can't teach people to do that. They You hire for those. So love it. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time. I think there's a lot of a lot of things here. We'll get the, the link to the the 10 uh, hiring biases that you had referenced earlier. We'll, we'll get a reference to that. How should people connect with you and, and do your shameless plug? Well, thank you, Chris. There's two ways, accuhire.com. We've been doing this for a long time. That's the, the hiring manager side. And if you're the applicant, interviewready.com. No dash between just interviewready.com. It has the other side of the fence with all the competencies there. So you can create one for any position out there. We even have executive competencies. If you can answer those behavioral questions, you deserve a right to be an executive to get that role. Awesome. So, Chris, thank you. Joe, thank you so much. Um, uh, I've had a, I've really enjoyed this conversation. We'll see what the, the comments are. We will, maybe we'll get back on and, and, and do this again. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Love it. Chris, thanks again. It's uh, great to work with your team and you, you guys have an amazing company. So thank you. Thank you. Love that. We'll end on that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got it. Take care, Chris. Mm, bye-bye. Thank you.